Charlotte Soccer Show is back in your ear. Welcome, everybody. This is Danny Rams, your boy, kicking it on a Zoom Life episode here as we get ready to preview Charlotte versus Miami. I'm still flying without my regular co-host, John Hayes, on air, but I've brought in someone you all know and love. If you're a fan of the show, if you're a TFOS, you know Matt Geslin, regular at Charlotte FC games to start the season. And then he got a new job and moved to all the way across the country to Oregon, but still has the Charlotte love, still paying attention to the team, has not gone over the dark side and started cheering for the Timbers yet. So Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks for filling in as always for John. You're probably Wally Pippin' him yet again, like you did last time. No, no, I can't Wally Pippin' him. He's, you know, he's he's got a pretty good gig going on right now. So uh, I'll let him have that one. But yes, it is a, it is a pleasure to be back with you guys. One time, all three, we can make it a twice in the, at some point, but uh, I love I love just having you and I, Brams, talk some some football, so let's get at it. Yeah, yeah, you know, the three-man weave was actually pretty fun, but I I feel like a two-man vibe, you just get, you just, it's more like a tennis match, you know, just bouncing yeah, things back, back and, and forth, forth so. hot take after hot take yeah. here, you know. Well, how about you fire off a couple of hot takes? It's been a couple of weeks since we've talked to you about Charlotte FC. I know you've been watching them. We've had some pretty nice results. We're on a little bit of a win streak. Give me, give me your hottest take that you can come up with off the top of your dome. Oh man, well, I mean, I definitely have some. But first, since I was called out last time for not having a beer on the on the show, I do <laughs> oh, have right. a local. I can't believe I skipped the most important thing. What are we I drinking? I do have what a beer drinking? today, so I am drinking a Rogue Honey Kolsch. Um, I didn't want to come unprepared, so I have a. Local Rogue beer, and it is quite good. A lot. Tell me you know. a little bit about Rogue Honey Kolsch, please. Okay, well, the description, since John has done this before, I will, right. I will try he and emulate He loves to wax John. poetic, yeah. He does wax poetic, yes. Honey Kolsch is our liquid ode to bees, brewed with wildflower honey. This Kolsch-style ale has layers of subtle floral notes ascended by the honey's natural sweetness that create a refreshing balance with the hops and malts. Does that not sound like a nice afternoon, hot summer beer? To me, that sounds fantastic. <laughs> sounds incredible. A liquid tribute to bees. I mean, what, it doesn't get any better than that. Come on. I mean, come on. We need them. So fantastic. Yes. Local beer, as always, as we always do. We try and drink local for sure. Well, I am drinking a cocktail because I'm at home and I don't usually keep beer at the house. I, I just keep liquor and then I drink beer when I go out. Kind of my thing. You just... Not really something that I set out to do, just kind of the way my life developed. So I'm drinking a little whiskey and water on the rocks. It's a beautiful thing. I'm, I, I'm still sipping on the same bottle of Four Roses bourbon that uh, I had earlier this season that uh, that my buddy graced me with from the very beginning of the year. It's not going to make it through the full season. It's almost down near the bottom, but it's a pretty good run though, halfway through almost. Right, uh, got me almost little, to the All Star break. So almost to the All Star break. Yeah. So going back to your first point about a hot take that I've been kind of sitting on for a few weeks. There are some really good pieces on this team that I was not expecting to see. It's not, it's a weird hot take. It's lukewarm at best. Lukewarm at best. I'm warming up, you know, but it, for me, it's a hot take. My opinion of MLS. Why don't you, you give know, me a real hot take that you shared uh, that you shared off air? I think you texted me why you texted me your ain't your Quinn McNeil hatred and your just absolute astonishment and astoundedness that Ben Bender is not in the starting lineup. Why don't you give us something real, man? If you want to jump right into it, I was trying to ease the viewer. Hey, man, we're going. This is a rapid fire. This is a quick preview podcast. I just need to cut. I need a fiery take before we start talking about this next match. Okay, fair enough. I think uh, McNeil's has done nothing and is kind of useless in the middle of the pitch. I haven't really noticed him when I'm watching. So Ben Bender, as I still continue to say, is leading scorer on this team. He is the my MVP, as I mentioned on the pod before, 
Um, so the fact that he is on the bench, I understand that he's a young guy. He needs a little bit of rest here and there, maybe not on the away games, you know, that we've talked about kind of give him a little bit ease into it. Um, but home games, he's got to be starting. Um, he is still that central playmaker for me. There's a lot of areas on the pitch that you can see if he's playing, the balls are, are a little bit more precise and the guy gets a goal off of that. Um, you know, the, the ball is a little bit more distributed around the box a little bit easier. So as much as I understood and, and listened to Will the other day and totally understand his point about, you know, the size and physicality and Bender trying to get a little bigger in the offseason, still a young kid. Um, right now, I think even with the run that we've had, I think there's potential for this team to be even stronger when, you know, you look at the starting 11 and a couple of good players that are coming off the bench. That's a great place for them to be if they want that. But in, in, the, in the world of football, you want to play your best players. Bench players are great, but they're a bench for a reason. So um, I think at some point you're going to have to start seeing, you know, Ben Bender getting that consistent starting uh, those minutes um, regularly, no more coming off the bench or being eased into it. You know, he's halfway through a season now. Uh, a lot, he's learned a lot at this point. So time to time to cut the reins off and let him go. All right. So Quinn McNeil sucks. That's your hot take. Got it. That, that, that's that's my takeaway from everything you just yep. said. OK, you, yep. disagree, but I, I do like the fire. I'm actually going to stick up for the other super sub like you want Bender in the starting lineup. My hot take, it's not going to surprise anyone that's been listening, is that it's past time to get Camille Yusviak back out of the starting lineup. Let him be the sub that comes in and, and runs against tired legs. I love Shin Yashiki coming in as a sub, but it's just it's too much of an opportunity cost to only play him for 20, 25 minutes instead of. 75 minutes because he's just he's a more accomplished more proven player than than uh Camille Yusviak it just is what it is it's nothing personal but Shinyashiki's better and I I understand there's people who are like well what's wrong with having a good sub come off the bench and run against tired defense and I, I agree but just if, if in the balance of things I think you need to start Shinyashiki in this spot and and Camille needs to prove himself before he gets in the start having said that why don't we get into what we expect to see against Miami coming up here real quick because Latanzio has shown twice that he won't change a winning side. He's he's run the, the, two times after wins. He's come out and run the same starting lineup again. Now we're looking for a three-game win streak. Is he going to come out with the same 11 minus, let's say Carujo is questionable. So let's say, Caru I, based on the comments today, he was uh, Latanzio was kind of wishy-washy about Carujo's status, said he's coming along nicely, I believe was the quote. So I'm going to say he does not play. So barring that, let's say it's either McCoon or Sobachinski in for Guzman. Are the other 10 all the same for you the, the, from the last two matches? I think it's hard. It's it's really difficult to, to justify changing it. To Will's point, you know, this is this lineup is starting to gel. You know, you have a run here that's going on um, and and. Shout out to Will again, third reference in a short period of time. But that interview and that that pod was so such a refreshing, um, you know, listen. So thank really enjoyed you. Yeah. That and having Willie him P, on, so. Will Palashik, he was awesome. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And the insight and just having that knowledge of the team was great to hear. So um, really, you know, really enjoyed that. Listen, uh, but yeah, no, I think my personal opinion, obviously, I think, again, it's, it's similar. You can't it's hard to change the lineup. Of course, I would just berated Quinn McNeil for being in there, but four, one, two wins in a row, really look good. Ben Bender starting would be a better fit for me on, you know, in that central role. I, I totally agree with you with Andre Shinshiki should be starting over Yuzviak. You know what I, I think I is the difference? Going there. You know what so. I think is the difference in the two situations is that with McNeil, Bronico Ruiz sort of working as a trio, 
you get that symbiosis, that sort of synergistic effect. Yep. And like the three of them are more than the sum of their parts, even though Bender's probably a better individual attacking midfielder than Quinn McNeil is in one-on-one drills, you know, in a five-a-side game or stuff like that. It's just the chemistry of that trio has been working so well that I think McNeil ends up I, – I don't think that there will be uh, changes in the side. I think it will be the same 11 minus Krujo with McCoon in, although maybe Sobosinski we'll see. But I get what you're saying about Bender. Now, the, now it's different, though. The, the contrast is, for me, when I'm trying to say Andre needs to start, it's because I don't really necessarily see any great chemistry between Camille and Carol that, you know, just because they're both Polish, should, you know, it's like – I feel like oh, a, no, I think you, a lot of I times you I play the like best the, player though, but yeah, there's I people totally in this agree fan base that are like, Oh, they're both Polish. They need to be like best buds and like be assisting each other and play together all the time. That really is. I mean, that's kind of sophomoric. If you ask me, it really has their nationalities have nothing to, to do with the chemistry of whether they'll be able to play together. It might have something to do with their chemistry off the field, but yeah, yeah I, no, think, I, I think, I think Shinyashiki sets up Carol way better than, than Camille does. Absolutely. And I think we, we talked about it right after, you know, I think the one, the pod after, after MAR got let go and you asked me like, what was, what is the big factor that he's going to bring with Carol and, you know, Camille and, and we had heard, you had heard that he, he knew those guys better. Um, so he wanted to give him a chance. The first mm-hmm. game they, they looked pretty good coming out of the international break when they came back on, they were, you know, lively, they were moving the ball, things were happening. Um, but again, that final ball was just really lacking, like you said, from Camille. And then of course the last two games, I don't think he's looked nearly as good as he did after that first, that first game back. So I, I personally just think Andre's better. Um, I I think he, he fits the mold better. He gives you more options. Right. Um, And it's, it's about opportunity. You want 75 minutes of Shinyashiki, not 20. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And he gives you more quality and more options Mm -hmm. to, to distribute and gets, gets more guys involved. Um, you know, that, that goal the other night was f- phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it'd be that, nice to get that goal in the first half and then the second half though, you know, yeah, like absolutely. And, and, and own the game and, and control yeah. the game. And, and, you know, when you have mm-hmm. that lead that we've talked about and how do you play with the lead and, and things like that. So, I mean, yeah, again, it's hard to, it's hard to change the lineup on paper after watching the, the game and emotions, you know, kind of play into that, I think too. But, um, I think there'll, there'll be a quick shift if, um, if something doesn't go right for this game, I think, you know, Latanzio let them run a little bit and now he's kind of like, okay, this is your run. Now, if you don't play well, you're going to get kind of, you know, we're gonna have to change things up and keep them, keep them on their toes, which I think is something that we've missed. There's hasn't been much competition in a lot of places for this team. And I think now you're starting to see some more, which is, which is really nice and refreshing. It's keeping the guys alive. Yeah, I mean, it's a road game. It's going to be all road games in MLS are tough. I think we should expect to win because I don't really think Miami's any much better quality than when we played them last time. And as Latanzio said in his presser, we're a much different team than when we played Miami last time. We're a better team, and we we were able to beat Miami fairly easily at our place. I would hope that we can go get – you know, we need points desperately to, to keep our position in the table. We need road points, and especially – and Miami's a place to go get them. So really hoping hey, that we look- can – I we think Latanzio's undefeated win. on the road since he st- took over, right? So continue that streak at this point. A, a draw and a win, right? First win in franchise history on the I road. I think we lo- then- he lost at Montreal, but then again, we, oh, were, right. missi- we were missing uh, 255 players, according yes. to uh, yes. some of the apologists in the family. Yes. So, you know, so- sorry that we were miss- missing a-, a couple of starters and then a bunch of our, our bench guys, and-, and they were missing an MVP candidate, and but somehow it didn't matter regardless. I'll move past that. Let me ask you this because i need you to just tell me if i'm being fair if i'm being unfair 
I don't think that Camille Yusviak is a bust by any chance. I think his best days are still to come in a Charlotte shirt. I think he can be a valuable contributor on this team. I don't like the way that he can impressively dribble past one guy, but then usually ends up like dribbling right into two others. I think that's the big problem is that like he's big on the footwork and he can kind of make you go, Oh, you know, but, but then it doesn't really, there, there's no end product there. Uh, he's really lacking the end product. So Am I being too hard on Camille? There's some people, some TFOs. There's people that are in the fan base that aren't even TFOs, but they just have talked to me and said, "Hey, man, you're you're being a little harsh on Camille here, man. This is our guy. We paid a lot of money. We got to support him. I'm all for supporting the players. I do support all these people, but just in the context of trying to be somewhat critical voice, you know, for the team in terms of you know demanding higher standards. Am mm-hmm. I demanding too much? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, he's a young guy, still 24 years old, a lot of time to grow, but you kind of know who you are as a soccer player at that age a little bit nowadays, especially with how young kids are starting and the academies. And, um, you know, look, I've said this before, and I don't mean this in in any negative way to, to any of the players. It's just not a great roster, right? So if we're looking at fringe marginal players already as it is, and then you're, 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 you're questioning a, one of those fringe players. That's, that's probably not a good sign. Right. So, you know, I think it's, a, it's look, you're going to have, and I know you guys harp on it a little bit, you know, home fans that want to prop up every sport has that every fan base has that. Um, but if you're looking at it from a realistic perspective, I don't think you're being too harsh. I think you're being, you're being, you know, critical of what you're seeing and that's what you're seeing to, to kind of play the counter point he has to play better prove that he's not that bad um you know so i think you know he is he's not delivering and that's and that's ultimately what will change minds um good or bad he's not he's not producing on the field and you have to kind of do something about that as as for the best of the team right yeah i don't really have any beef with the people who want to just be like well i support the club no matter what and i'm always going to be positive no matter what that's fine if that's if that's how you prefer to enjoy charlotte fc i don't have any beef with that but I just like for me, the way I approach things is I want to try to be a little more realistic about what I'm seeing and like always be a fan of the club, always be a supporter, always pull for the club and try to pull in the same direction as the club, but also be real about what I'm seeing. I can't I can't just stay silent about who I think is probably the most overpaid player on our team at this point in the season, you know, for for one way or another. And maybe it's just because I love Andre so much and I, I maybe I wouldn't even be talking so much about my issues with Camille if he wasn't in the starting lineup. Who knows? We'll see. But what do you think about this match? So we both generally agree that this, the lineup is probably not going to change outside Carujo. So we think we're going to see the same 11, maybe a, a, you know, a tweak in one spot, but we'll see. What do you think is actually going to happen in this match? Are you worried about Miami? They've been a little bit better since we last played them. Where, where do your thoughts fall on like what you to expect on uh, from this match? I think Miami is definitely going to be a different team than last time we saw them. Uh, they've, they've made some additions. They, you know, they were definitely not, um, fully up to speed, similar to our situation in Montreal when they played us. So I think there's definitely going to be, you know, a little bit different lineup, a different feel to the game. In that point that Christian said today, you know, we're a different team as well, I think. So um, I think it's kind of going to be a a neutral from that. You're going to see a very similar type of game as a result. I think the game itself will look different on the field, but the result could be very similar. um, If that makes sense. Uh, If you watch soccer enough that, you know, you see that happen all the time. I think one thing to watch for 
Um, and I was thinking about this the other day of how to phrase this because we all love the bro and what the bro does on the field. But I was kind of putting it together in my head about what does Charlotte FC want to look like on the field and how do, where do they succeed? What do they look like when they succeed or when they're not playing well? If Brant Bronico, if his heat map is between the, the center circle, Charlotte has a great chance of winning this game. If his heat map is basically in our box or box to box, and there's wide open spaces in that midfield section, this is going to be a, a wide open game that anyone can win, honestly. But when Brant owns that middle section around the center circle, you know, maybe 10, five to 10 yards on either side. And when he's central and, you know, focused there, then I think, you know, that's what Charlotte wants to do. Have the field be a little bit shorter, condensed, uh, you know, more in the, in the final imposing third. Um, and it kind of gives that space, uh, you know, a little bit more clarity and more organization when brands spread out. And when people can run through that midfield, anything can happen with this team. And I think that's something you got to watch out for. Yeah, I think so. I do think Brant has been sort of given a little more freedom to come up and spread that heat around, you know, some more, more attacking areas of the field because of the balance that's been able to be struck with Ruiz and McNeil, because he, he knows that he, has a little bit more cover from those guys than he was getting from Ortiz and Alphazavar that he can afford to take risks. And we've seen that there's been people talking about, you know, you're going to get your goal eventually, Brant, because he he's been having a little bit more of an eye towards goal lately. And it, it could show he, up for sure. He definitely will get one at some point. I mean, don't forget, he played the eight role at times for Chicago back in the day when he was there. He's been a great six for us, but he he can transition into more of an offensive minded midfielder if he needs to. I mean, he's really worked on the defensive areas of his game to become one of the best defensive mids in the league. So there's not necessarily a need. We don't need offense from him, but I think one of the coolest things and will brought this up. One of the best things about Charlotte FC's attack right now, even though it's not the most potent, it's very diverse and it's very multifaceted and it comes at you from all angles. And so, you know, you play against a one man team like Nashville and all of a sudden you find yourself in pretty in, in pretty easy waters. You know, it, was, it wasn't really tough for us to beat Nashville because we're the type of team that can shut down a one man team like that. Miami has been playing a little bit better. I'm, you know, they their recent recent results are not great. They are coming off a two game losing streak, but they were they were starting to look a little bit better and have a little bit more of an identity. I feel they've kind of fa- they I was going to say they phased out Gonzalo Higuain, but. Then he came back and scored a goal for him in a loss the other night. They just brought in a new guy from uh, Toronto, a guy named Alejandro Pozuelo, who I believe was the league MVP two years ago, the year before yep. heel, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. He's a great player who just player. Very had a, player. a rough run at the end of his time in Toronto. So that's a huge addition for Miami, especially because when we played them last time, the midfield was really where we were able to establish dominance. So Pozuelo makes me a little bit nervous, but again, I think Brant and Walks can can handle that. Just depends. DeAndre Yedlin will be in the lineup too. As he <laughs> MLS All Star DeAndre Yedlin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we can yeah, talk yeah. about that. I don't want to spend too much time on it because no, I no, just it's not worth it. It's not worth I, it. I, I will say this to every Charlotte FC person in the fan base who is feeling snubbed and upset and really angry at MLS for leaving also off off of all of our players out of the All Star roster. I'll say this: I see you. I hear you. I love you. I feel you. I know you. You're right. 
but we're just going to have to let it go. We were not going to get any all-stars this year. It's a, say, it's a star-based game. And it, it's I was going to say, you know, who? Yeah. to be fair, who are you picking on our besides Christian Fuchs? I'm not sure if there's anyone else, and that's by oh, name I would alone. Carujo. I'd say Carujo has been one of the most dominant center backs in the league this year for sure, but he just doesn't have a name for himself. Yeah, you know? there's no name. They put guys there's like no Kamal Miller on, on the yeah. all-star team over him. He's having a decent year too, but I mean – I think I, I like our guy better. We have guys, Bronico, you know, is playing at a, a league best. I would put him in a best 11, uh, you know, to go play a match, you, get, you know, for against the Monstars to, totally. <laughs> for the fate of the universe, you know, but uh, yeah, I can understand why he's not an MLS all-star because he's, his standouts are his defensive abilities. So it's not, a, yeah, it's the all-star exactly. game is not a defensive game. So, but yes, totally. everyone who's mad about it, your, your rage is justified. I don't share it, but I understand it. I validate it and I welcome it, to be honest. I love to see, I feed off of it. I just, you know, I just can't quite get there to be, to be upset about it myself just because of it's what I expected, I guess. No, can't say it any better. I mean, and there's Brent Bronico is your guy. If you know, if anybody, but in this, in this environment, uh, it's not a, it's not a defensive game at the MLS all-star game. Right. Although right. it will be an interesting game against Liga MX all-stars, but. It'll be fun Wouldn't it be to cool watch. to see some type of newcomer situation where Bender could have had to go chance to shine and introduce himself, you know, on a wider stage to the league. I think that would have been cool. But regardless, getting back, circling all the way back, DeAndre Yedlin did make the all-star team for some reason. If that tells you that they, this is a game about names instead of production, nothing. if that doesn't tell you that, nothing will. But, yeah, I don't fear Yedlin. Yedlin's not that great. He's he's really – he's never been super productive anywhere he's been, to be perfectly honest. And no. He's always just been more kind of speed and hype and flash. And he's not untalented, but he just – he's not going to beat us, I don't think. I don't think I, Gonzalo, I, Guo, Gonzalo Iguin's going to beat us. I don't – Would you take him at right back, though, for Charlotte FC? <laughs> Uh, nah, man, give me King Harrison. Okay. I'm loyal. I'm loyal okay. to King All right. Harrison okay. for sure. He's, I take I, I take DeAndre Yedlin, but that's a different topic. You take different Yedlin time. over there. <laughs> I mean, I taste. I would just again my whole mantra that I'll keep preaching. If I can just you know be a prophet in the wilderness or an evangelist with a flock, who knows? But the the move is to teach Jalen Lindsay how to be a better off attacking fullback and agree without losing his defensive abilities that come so naturally and, and are so talented. But Agreed. if he, I just hope that whenever Jalen's not watching, not playing and he's watching from the sideline, hope he's just watching everything Affle does because Affle's great. He's just, you know, unfortunately in the twilight of his career. So we got two guys. They're just, uh, they're just, <laughs> If we could just combine Affle and Lindsay into one, and we, uh, you know, and split yeah. the difference on their ages, we'd probably have the perfect. Uh, yeah, we have right that. Back, you know, so. we have that in the midfield apparently too, with uh, Quinn McNeil and Ben Bender, as Will said, right. and and two right. guys in the back. You know, that's what you want is to have to have combination of two players rather than, rather than have the player. But yeah, that's okay. it does give us some a way to change games and be diverse and with substitutions yeah. and stuff. But like I think that, we, so. you know, we've talked about it, you and I. I mean, this roster is going to be totally different in three to five years as far as the quality on the roster and, and names and things like that. So I think, you know, long way to go, but I definitely going back to Deandre Yedlin, I'd take him. I don't agree with anything you just said, but I respect the hell out of your right to say, it. and I, I would, I would go, you know, fight and die for your right to say it for sure. So God bless America, but well, we're warming uh, up on the hot takes or predictions here. And then we're going to get to some listener questions, which we always love to do. Lovely. Yeah. Anytime. Uh, score prediction. I would say, like I said, it's going to be a very similar score line to the previous game here, which was a one nil win in Charlotte goal by, yep, but yeah, um, by Andre Shinyashiki assisted by super sub Yordi Reina, who I'd expect to be starting this week. 
I'm going to go with one nothing. I know people are probably really excited and expecting goal fest after a 4-1 win. Um, but I think, you know, that's that doesn't happen all, every night. I think a one nothing win keeps the keeps the run going, keeps the momentum going for the squad. Um, really nice place right now in the standings going into the latter half of the season. But uh, I think a, a big W on the road here just can't drop points. Like you mentioned, no, cannot drop points on the road. So um, I still think one nothing and uh, Charlotte win with the Andre Shinishiki goal. I would be very happy with a one nothing win. Like I said, uh, going on the road is always tough. We only have one win on the road, which we got at Houston. I think Miami is about as about a comparable club to Houston in terms of the threat and the challenge they present. So yeah, I'll take a one nil for sure. I I'd like us to, if we are able to score early, I hope we won't just try to turtle up and settle for one nil. If we, if we do get the chance to get an early goal, I, I hope that we'll go for two. But I do think a one nil win is would be more than acceptable for sure. If we could get our first ever three game win streak as a club and get out of there with points and secure our playoff position, you know, we had some great results in the midweek where Charlotte had a buy. A lot of other teams were playing and we only dropped a couple spots down, which is good. You know, a lot of teams kind of caught up to us in game in hand. There's still plenty of teams that have another game in hand on us, but. It did get us caught up a little bit with some of the teams that we had played a lot more games, uh, you know, two two more games than some of them. So, so yeah, so Charlotte's in a pretty good position, and three points will be just what the doctor ordered because I I think someone ahead of us will lose in the in the group that we're sort of cha- we're in seventh, and if you look at Montreal, Orlando, and Cincy in fourth, fifth, and sixth, they're all within three points of us. Figure one of them is going to lose. So we got a chance to move up in the table if we can go get the three points. We got people behind us, but as long as we get three, then it, it won't matter about the people behind us. We'll, we'll be moving up. Exactly. Win your games, as they say, right? Right. Win your games. Well, let's get something. I don't know if you've ever done this. John and I love to do this from time to time, uh, and it's become a really popular thing that's like sweeping the whole nation now. It's uh, listener questions. Everybody's doing it. Wow, we, you guys are the trendsetters. Give you a chance to answer a few. Yeah, we we like to set trends for sure. Okay, yeah, fire uh, away. So Let's do it. I'm going to hit you up. Let's go with our our number one. Uh, one one of the original tifos, not the very first, but one of the first and one of the original. James Perez, one of our guys. He's uh he's an awesome dude. We love to hang out with him at the games. Love to talk about. He makes an energy product that he's getting involved with Brawny Bro in. So. Charlotte FC is sort of like community, you know, entrepreneurship. It's a beautiful thing. He's got a question and it's a math question. So I know you were probably told there would be no math, but you're going to have to do a little bit of math. What is the minimum amount of points needed in the next five games to stay alive in the playoffs? Now, have you looked at the the fixture list for Charlotte? Do you know the, have you seen this like next five game stretch? I have, I have, you know, you know, they're all like winnable games. Yes. We're currently sitting, you know, tied for seventh let's say tied for playoff position what's the minimum james's question what's the minimum number of points we need out of the 15 on offer to secure our playoff position he says 10, 10 by the way 10. he says 10 okay i agree 10 okay 10, you're 10's 10. my answer yep yep okay so that's three wins a draw and a loss yeah, uh, if you well, get to if we get to 36 points, I feel pretty comfortable sneaking in the back door of a playoff spot. Yeah, I mean, right now we're 10 points out of first. So I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, that everyone's gonna go up and down based on their own results. But yeah, that's that's not bad. I I would say 10 is a, I would honestly think we'll still be alive, to be honest, if we can just get nine. I, I think nine points would be perfect. Yeah. Even eight would be be a minimum to answer James's question at its heart. Eight, eight to eight to ten. One, if you two if wins, two draws, and a loss, yeah. I think I think would be fine. So. Yeah, eight to ten, and we'll be fine. Yeah, but 
what I think we're going to get, I think I'm on the record of saying this, is that I think we're going to get 13. I think we're going to get four wins and a draw. So we'll see. I, don't, we'll I, I can't see. predict where the draw we will come, see. But yeah. I like where your positivity is. Well, you know, people say I'm too down on this club, but I'm actually, you know, I'm really a shameless homer. I really, you, you, know, I love you definitely are a shameless homer anything. in a good yeah, way, so, yeah. in a good way. Yes. But, you know, I just, sometimes I just, you know, got to be contrarian. So, all right, here's a really good question. No here's math, a real good question. Have Jordi Alcivar and TT Ortiz become obsolete in wake of the recent performances from Sergio Ruiz and Quinn McNeil. That's from our boy, Nick Youngblood, a great TFOS goes by at turbo verge. Not the first time he's had a question on the show. What do you think? Are, are, they, are Jordy and TT obsolete? I don't know if they're obsolete. I don't think they're playing on this roster anymore. Um, I think that's a coach's decision, not, not a personnel decision. I think they could still be valuable, but I think they've kind of run their course with both with both managers. Remember, obviously Christian Latanzio came in as the interim. So he saw all the stuff that they were doing beforehand and clearly it didn't change when he took over. So I don't think they're obsolete, but I don't think they play. It hurts my heart to say this. And I can't say it about Alcivar because he's so young and the club has sort of invested in his future with his contract status. Although they do, you know, potentially could buy him down. But neither guy was even in the side the last two games that we won. They weren't even on the bench to sub in. Yep. So it hurts my heart, but they might be obsolete because, I mean, both games, let me see. We made one, two, three, four, five subs, right, against Nashville. And we made one, two, three, four, five subs against Houston. So, I mean, we made all five subs, won both games, didn't miss either guy from even being available on the bench. So as of this point, yeah, they are obsolete, unfortunately. I, I think TT... You know, he fell out of favor with MAR, and then he got his chance when uh, to get right back in as a starter when Latanzu came in. He was pretty disappointing. Now he's been dumped for Sergio and the with the McNeil combo with him, and it's working. And again, they weren't even on the bench. So the answer to your question, Nick, is a very painful. Yes, they are obsolete at this point. At this point, Sergio Ruiz might be the second half MVP of this team. By the way. I hope so. I hope so. People are huge on Ruiz, way bigger than me. And and I think a lot of people latched onto him as sort of like the first signing and they were getting into Charlotte FC. So they were like, you know, he was one of the few players we had under contract. So a lot of people sort of bonded with him. That's kind of how I bonded with my boy, Alan Franco, was that like once we saw, I, I sort of got wind that we were going to bring him in early, even before it was official. So I started like really studying him. That's kind of why I became a Franco fan, even though I know he was a big disappointment here in Charlotte and is, is no longer here. But I feel like that's the sort of a similar experience that I had with Franco is what many fans had with Ruiz. And so that's why I think he's a fan favorite, despite taking a long time to get up and running uh, with this team. He, he even, you can talk about the coaching change and all that, but I mean, he started a game under MAR and was not good. And he was, you know, he was better off the bench under MAR. And, you know, I think it's more about Sergio than the coaching. I think he just sort of totally. got his I together. totally agree with that. He had the I transfer rumors. Like, was he going to go yeah. back to Los Palmas? And I think he, he finally just buckled down and said, I'm here to, to win at Charlotte. But he's been, he's been a revelation. He's been phenomenal of late. He's I been mean, great. Yeah, he's, he's been, been great. great. He's and, been, uh, you know, on a, on a personal note, I, I'm a big fan. You know, Sergio, I play this uh, fantasy card collecting game called So Rare, and I collect, like, Charlotte cards along with other a lot of other players and clubs and stuff. But I'm big on my Charlotte collection. And sir, eight, some players, not every player, but some players in the game have these signed signature edition cards that are, like, owned by the player. And Sergio sold me 
without knowing who I was, but just under my my username under the game, he like sold me his card for like 300 bucks. So I was able to like buy his digital like signature edition uh, card for this fantasy game. So I, I got a lot of love for Sergio. I want to see him do well. I want to see the value of my signature card go up and all that there you and, go. And, and everything. So uh, there you go. So yeah, next so question. Vamos Sergio. Next Fire question. Away. So we're running quick on time here. Kind of a ridiculous one, although not to call you a ridiculous Ash Hamrick, but, and then we'll do a little bit more serious one. Ash Hamrick, great TFOS asks us, what are the chances of us signing Jesse Lingard? Now, I think that's a little, I don't mean to di- classify the question as ridiculous, but I don't think we're going to end up with Jesse Lingard. What do you think? I don't think it's that ridiculous. Okay. I don't think we sign him, but I don't think it's that ridiculous. What's more ridiculous is that he's even entertaining MLS clubs. The fact that MLS is even on the table, anyone's fair game, but I don't think we sign him or or Miami. Yeah. Yeah, I just think that if Lingard's going to come over, he's going to want him. He's enough of a name that he's going to want to make a splash with, you know, yeah. a non-expansion club and like a big, like, you know, a New York club. But Miami, he wants to come, LA, but he wants to come, which so. is quite, which is a step, a weird step in that direction. I've been talking about that one a lot with my United fans. So um, that whole thing is very bizarre, but uh, another time, another place. I think Lingard is the move to MLS does seem pretty serious. I think it could happen. I just don't think it'll be a Charlotte. So no, it won't be a Charlotte. Yeah. But thank you, Ash, for the great question. It's worth asking as well. Sorry if uh, don't be offended by me being a jerk. A little bit more realistic question you could say. This one comes from Michael Hub Likes. Hub Likes, another original fan. Thanks to all our fans who are out there following the show, tweeting at us, rating us, reviewing us. It's all so good, and, and we just encourage more of it. But Michael asks, if you could sign one center attacking mid who's already in MLS, let's say everyone's available, who would it be? Uh, because there's a need for Charlotte to have a cam. Let's just sort of put our fantasy GM hats on here. And if there was anyone we could get, who who would you want to get? Oh, my goodness. Hub Likes answer was a good one. It's Lucho Acosta, uh, in, who's in Cincinnati, who, again, I don't think he's available. But for the purposes of this fantasy exercise, Acosta would be great. He's having a great year. You know, he's dominated MLS in years past. So, you know, he's not a flash in the pan. And, yeah, the great choice by Hub Likes. Do you got a, a cam you would love to go get for Charlotte if you if you were in Zoran's chair, Matt? If we're playing GM, I have two answers. Short term, I go get Maxi Morales. I think he would be perfect for distributing the ball over to Carroll. I think that would just be a perfect fit. Not ex- not um, surprising to hear you suggest an NYC guy, but uh, I mean, he is about well, 45 years old, but he, uh, he's quality. Again, short term for a year. I think right. that you could take him for a couple, you know, just a little okay. stint, uh, you know, okay. but. Okay. And then. Um, do we classify him as a center attacking midfield? Uh, can, can we go get Gareth Bale and put him on this roster? <laughs> I mean, that's what everyone he's wants. A, Gareth's right? a winger. Gareth's a counterattacking winger. I mean, he's he's he can be created with the ball at his feet, but no, I, I can't give it to Carroll. Excuse me, I can't give it to Bale. Gareth, excuse me. But um, my answer is going to be someone we've already seen once this year and thankfully we didn't have to see him twice even though we did lose the second match already but it's Georgie I, I've, yeah. I've raved about Georgie Mihailovic I love him I think he's one of the best players in MLS uh, on any position and certainly one of the best attackers Montreal is desperately trying to hold on to their their higher up position without him and they're doing okay but he's the MVP for me he didn't even make the all-star because he's been hurt so bad but uh if he's healthy, that's who I would love to see playing in Charlotte because he's young. He's like young, but been around a while. And we reunite him and Braun, bro. You know, I mean, what could be better than that? So, yeah, it's a great question, by the way. It's so many, guy, yeah. so many answers you could go with. So it's a really good question. But yeah, 
my fave question for sure. Well, Matt, thank you so much. We're going to wrap this up. Kind of a quick hitter episode, but I appreciate you joining me from the West Coast. Of course. Jay Hayes is out there in Scotland, you know, having life experiences, and uh, we wish him well for sure. For sure. Hey, quickly, uh, a big game coming up on Wednesday in the Queen City. Just wanted to point out um, you oh, know, the Chelsea match. Going, so, the Chelsea match. Is that you what know. you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, the Chelsea match, I can't wait to uh, listen to Will and Jess call that one. It's going to be great. I, I, uh, I hope everyone has fun. I just couldn't drag myself to pay good money to go see Chelsea. Come on, Chelsea. Well, Matt, I can't thank you very uh, can't thank you enough for coming in. Why don't you send us out? Anytime. And, uh, for the crown, baby. 